Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, about 25 uh, years ago, I had a hobby. It was something that I was into, and I did this a lot. I was a runner. I ran competitively, and then I just kind of came to a cold turkey stop, and I didn't run a step unless I absolutely had to for 25 years. And a year ago, I decided I'm going to try this running thing again. And so here's what I did. This was not for me a long-term commitment. This was what I found was an 18-week plan to get back into running. And so I committed for 18 weeks, and it was a plan that started with running two miles a day for three days a week and kind of progressing to the end, running six miles a day, five days a week. And so that was the plan, and I decided for whatever crazy reason that I was going to commit to this 18-week process. And i got to tell you something. It was absolutely awful. It was <laughs> terrible at first. And I dreaded those two-mile runs so much so I didn't want to run outside where it was hot. I mean, I just didn't want to do it at all, but I committed to it. And so we set up in our house, we set up a room that had our treadmill. And, you know, I made sure that the air conditioner was blowing really nice and cool in that room. And I set up a fan kind of facing the treadmill because I didn't want to get too hot. And I had a towel over a rack right there close by because I didn't want to get too sweaty. And I had my water bottle close by. I didn't want to get too thirsty. And I even, I even built a little stand to sit on the dashboard of the, of the treadmill for my, for my phone so I could watch Netflix while I was running these two miles because I didn't want to get too bored. And so this was my process at the beginning was I'd go into the room and, you know, the dreaded two-mile run, get on the treadmill, do all the things. And, and eventually, though, I worked through this process and eventually I even ventured outside, you know, away from the air conditioning, away from the Netflix. And I, and I continued this process and got towards the end of it. And by the end of it, I actually got to a point where I kind of enjoyed running again. And I kept on running even beyond the end of this plan, and I still run today. As a matter of fact, last weekend, for the first time in 25 years, I ran a half marathon. And yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was so cool to be able to do that again. And I had so much fun doing that. But here's the thing. If you'd asked me a year ago, was I going to be running a half marathon a year from now? I would have said, no way. I mean, you're crazy if you think that's going to happen. Look at my setup, for crying out loud, right? I mean, they don't let you do that, run with the, watching Netflix and the air conditioning for a, a half marathon. It was a process. I really couldn't even think about doing that or, or let alone do it without going through this process. I didn't just wake up one day and decide, okay, I'm all in. I'm just going to go and, and run 10 miles or 13 miles or 15 miles or whatever. I'm not just going to get up and go do that one day. It was a process. Well, this morning, I want to talk about something else that's kind of a process uh, for every one of us, and it's this idea of following Jesus. And what's really interesting is that we have preserved for us these documents that were written way back in the first century about the very first followers of Jesus. And we can see the process that they took from being complete strangers, not even knowing who Jesus was, and the process they took of uh, being introduced to Jesus and ultimately 
being willing to give up their lives so that other people could know this man who was a stranger to them at the very beginning named Jesus. And, and what's really fascinating is that we have not one, not two, but we have four accounts of the life of Jesus uh, that, were, that were written and documented for us. There's Matthew, and Matthew was an eyewitness, and there's Mark, and Mark hung out with Peter, and he gives us Peter's account. And then there's Luke, and, and, and Luke researched and investigated and interviewed a bunch of people and gives us this account. And then, and then there's John, and John was an eyewitness. And so we have four accounts. Anytime you have four accounts of something, you're going to have four different perspectives, you know, unique angles that they're coming at, at, at this from. And so they get, they're writing to four different audiences, and they give four different perspectives, and they come at things from four different contexts and angles. And so we have four stories and four unique accounts of the life of Jesus. And today, we're going to look at a specific story about when Jesus um, really kind of calls or gathers up his first followers. And we're going to take a look at Matthew's account, and then we're going to take a look at Luke's account and kind of see the differences between them. And, and we're going to land on Luke's for a few minutes this morning. But first, I want us to take a look at Matthew's account. And I love Matthew's account. Matthew was a, a Jew, and he was writing to a Jewish audience. And these were people who had a big faith, and they didn't need to be convinced about what God was able to do. And they didn't need all the information. They didn't need all the details. And so Matthew kind of gives a brief recap of this story, and it's in Matthew chapter 4, and here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And that's it. It's like, what, what just happened here? I mean, if you really take a look at it, really think about it, there's these guys, they're out, they're working, they're doing their job, the thing that they do to make a living, and somebody that they don't really know comes along and says, hey, guys, y'all come with me, and, and they just leave? I mean, would you, if you're at work tomorrow and somebody that you don't really know just walks up and says, hey, stop what you're doing and come with me, and you, you just go, you just leave everything and go? And, and the story gets a little bit weirder from here. He goes on, he says this. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, check it out, and their father, and followed him. End of story. That's it. That's all Matthew gives us. He goes on from there to another, another one of the stories, another one of the narratives, the events that happened in the life of Jesus. And it's just like these guys, Matthew just wants, you know, he paints this picture where it's just like these guys say, okay, bye, Dad, we're going with the guy with the sandals over here. That, you know, good luck with the family business. Tell Mom bye for us. And that, that's all he gives us. And, and Matthew is writing to this audience that they didn't need all the details. But, but, but it's really interesting because to me, that'd be kind of like if I walked into here and I said, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're all going to go outside. We're going to meet up out in the parking lot. We're all going to run 10 miles together. That's, that's the plan this morning. And there might be, you know, one or two of you that would take me up on that, but probably most of you would look at each other kind of like you're doing right now. You say, hey, when, when did he say Pastor Will's going to be back? <laughs> Right? Because it's the context. It's the context that makes the difference. And Matthew's writing to some people that didn't need all the details. But the good news for us is that Luke comes along and Luke gives his version of the story, which is the same exact story. It's the same exact things that happen. Everything that Matthew mentions happens in Luke's version, but he kind of fills in the details. He fills in the blanks, all right? He gives what, what we're going to call the rest of the story. And I love this. Luke's writing to, to people who are like you and me. Luke's writing to Gentiles, people who didn't already have a big faith. These were people who needed a little bit more information before they were just going to walk off and leave the family business. 
And I think in Luke's version, we can all kind of find ourselves in the rest of the story. And so Luke starts and he says, I've researched this, I've investigated, I've, I've interviewed people that were there, and here's the rest of the story. It's the very same story, but here's the rest of the story. And here's where he starts in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And already it's like, Matthew, you left this part out. There's more going on here. Jesus was actually teaching down by the lake, right? And I want you to pay close attention to this word right here, listening. And the reason that's so important is because following always begins with listening. Following Jesus always begins with information. Jesus, when he called his followers, it wasn't like, just leave everything and follow me. Jesus always built faith with information. Jesus always built faith with teaching, with learning, and with listening. Following always begins with listening. And so Jesus is down by the lake teaching, and, and, and the crowds are crowding around him. And he looks down, and he's right at the water's edge, and his feet are starting to get wet. And so the next thing, he looks over in verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, there were these guys that they, they fished for a living, right? So they'd go out and fish at night, and then they would come in in the mornings. And when they brought their boats in, they would have to clean out their nets. And so they would clean it out. They would separate the fish out, and then they were cleaning out, you know, the seaweed and the sunglasses and the beer cans, all the things that, you know, that their, that their nets had picked up during the night that they didn't need anymore. They were cleaning all this stuff out, and then they would hang their nets up to dry, and then they'd roll them up and store them away so they'd be ready to go the next night. And so there were these guys, and they were, they were cleaning out their nets, and they were listening. And Jesus is down there, and in verse, he sees the, the boats. And in verse 3, Luke says this. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. So he comes to Simon, and he says, he says this. He says, Simon, can I borrow your boat? Could I inconvenience you for a minute? And we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if, 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 if Simon kind of tied a knot in the line and pushed him out a little ways or if he got in the boat with him. But what we do know, because the previous verse just said it, is he was cleaning his nets. So he's working on his nets, and he's listening to Jesus. And he's working, and he's listening. And so it, the story goes on, then, and Jesus, the, it says he put out a little from shore, and he got into one, uh, put out a little from shore. Then he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. Because remember, Following always begins with listening. Following always begins with information. So he taught the people, and Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, they were there listening. And it goes on in verse 4. When he had finished, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, he could have said anything here. He could have said, hey, what would you think about my sermon? He, he could have said to him, hey, thanks so much for letting me use your boat. He could have even said at this point, hey, will you follow me? I mean, he'd given him some information already at this point, and he, he could have put that out there, right? But that's not what he said. He says to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. In other words, he says this. He says, Peter, I want you to do something that you've done a thousand times, and I want you to do it different than you've ever done it before. And there's really a couple of problems here. And you know the first one. The first one is, is Peter looks at him and says, well, we've, just, we've just cleaned out our nets, right? I mean, this was not a quick, easy process. 
This was the last chore they had to do before they could finally go home at the end of a long night and get something to eat and sit in the recliner and kick back and watch the game, right? I mean, they had just finished cleaning their nets. And so Simon doesn't want to be rude. He doesn't want to be disrespectful, but he needs to respond. And so the next verse says that he answers. He answers and he says, Master. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher, And so master was a common term for a rabbi, especially a a good one. And so Simon, this is the context that he knows Jesus. And notice he doesn't say God. He doesn't say Lord. He says master. He knew him in this context as a a rabbi. And and so he responds. He doesn't want to be disrespectful. He doesn't want to be rude. He He answers, master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. We've been fishing all night. Because in the heat of the day, we can't fish. In the heat of the day, the, the fish are going to go down deep, and our nets aren't, aren't, aren't going to catch them when they're down deep like that. So they'd go and fish at night when it's cooler, and the fish would come up closer to the surface, and they could drop their nets and catch the fish that had come up to the surface. So they were out fishing at night. Listen, that's when you're supposed to go fishing. And he says, we've been out fishing at night, and they'd had a bad night, hadn't caught anything. And Jesus is saying, hey, Simon, let's go fishing Let's go fishing when you're not supposed to go fishing, is what he says. In other words, I want you to do something you've done a thousand times before, but I want you to do it a little bit different. I want you to do it my way. He's he's not asking him at this point to leave his family. He's not asking him to leave his business behind. He's just asking him to do one thing and to do it a little bit different than he's ever done it before. And do you know what's at stake here for Peter? What's at stake is this. Could Peter trust Jesus? And that's what makes this next part so incredibly awesome. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. It's not because I think this is a good idea. It's not because I think we're going to catch any fish. It's not because I think this is going to help my reputation, because clearly, Jesus, you've gathered a crowd. Everybody here, they know this is what I do for a living, and everybody knows you don't fish during the day. It's not going to help my reputation. It's not because I think this is a good use of my time. It's because I listened and because I inconvenienced myself and because I have just enough respect for you. He says, so because you say so, I will let down my nets. And here's the thing is the reason that we even know who Peter is today is because in this moment with this single decision, he said, this isn't that big a deal. I trust this guy enough to do this one thing different than I've ever done it before. And he had no idea what hung in the balance of this one singular decision to do something different that he'd done a thousand times before and to do it in a way that Jesus says, would you do it, just because he simply asked. Well, maybe you've heard this story. Maybe you know what happens. In verse 6, it goes on. It says, when they had done so, not when they had believed so, not when they had prayed so, not when they had intended to do so, Not when they had thought so, but when they had done so, because doing is what makes all the difference. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break apart. Can you imagine? So they signaled their partners in the other boat. We're going to find out in just a minute. Their partners were James and John. They were a part of the story as Matthew told it, right? They signaled their partners in the other boat to come over and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. 
This is amazing. I mean, what a sight. Can you imagine? This is incredible. And so then he goes on. He says this. When, when, when Simon Peter saw this, what do you think he did? What would you have done? I know, I know for me, like, my instinct would have been to, like, celebrate, you know. This is awesome. We fished all night. We didn't catch anything. And now look at this. I'd be, you know, high-fiving Andrew and high-fiving Jesus. And probably would have gotten out my phone and taken a, a selfie. And, you know, you got to put that on Instagram, right? I mean, that's what I would have done. It says, when, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Oh, what's so beautiful about this is that in that moment, for Simon, it was no longer about the fish. It wasn't about the boat. In that moment, he recognized for the first time who Jesus was. And he recognized for the first time who he was. And in that moment, he began a personal relationship with Jesus. When he took this practical step of faith, He trusted God just enough to do one thing and to do it different than he'd ever done it before. And when he did that, his eyes were open and he realized for the first time who Jesus was and he realized for the first time who he was and he realized right now I'm standing in the presence of my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus didn't look at him, by the way, and say, it's about time you got this figured out. Jesus was about to invite him to follow him. Let's read on what what Luke has to say in verse 9. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John. There they are, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on. In other words, he says to him, I have a future for you, and I couldn't tell you what that future was until you were willing to do this one thing differently this one, because I asked you to do it. This one thing you've done a thousand times to do it different because I asked you to do it. And because you did that, because your teeny tiny little faith, because your teeny tiny little bit of trust intersected with my faithfulness, now you can trust me when I tell you that I have a future for you. It all started with a small decision. It all started with one small step to do something that he'd done a thousand times before and to do it differently because Jesus says, will you do it? And so verse 10 goes on. He says this, from now on, you will fish for people. And I'm sure at this point, Simon and Andrew and James and John are like, what What did he just say? I don't care, but whatever, right? And here's the thing is I would have too. That's, that would have been my response in years too. Let's, let's see what they did in verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. Listen, in that moment, with everything that had happened, I would have done the same thing. And you would have done the same thing. But not because Jesus says, leave everything and follow me. It's because they listened, and they learned, and they inconvenienced themselves, and they took one single step of obedience. And that one little bitty step of obedience just intersected with God's faithfulness, and then they were ready. I love Luke's account of this story. I love the details he gives us. I love that he kind of fills in all the gaps for us because it's in the details, it's in the rest of the story that every one of us can sort of find ourselves. It's in this, it's in this process that Luke shows us, this process of following Jesus, that every one of us can sort of find ourselves and identify with where we are in this story. And I believe we can find ourselves in one of four phases of follow that we see in this account of following Jesus in Luke chapter 5. 
For some of us, it's the sit and listen stage. It's the sit and listen stage. The fact that you're here right now, the fact that you're listening online, the fact that you're watching on TV, you might not even have intended to, but you've taken a step towards following Jesus. Because faith always begins with hearing. Following always begins with listening. Following Jesus always begins with information. Christianity is not a blind faith. Following Jesus begins with listening. And so some of you are in this sit and listen stage. And listen, the very best thing you can do, the best step that you can take in following Jesus is just simply to come back next week to keep getting information, to keep listening, to keep getting your questions answered. Everybody that followed Jesus in the first century followed with at least a little bit of information. And so for some of you, the best thing that you can do is to continue to put yourself in an environment where you can sit and listen and gather information and make an informed decision. And for others of us, we're in the loan him the boat stage. This is where Peter was when Jesus said, Peter, it's getting kind of crowded. Could I borrow your boat for a minute? Could, could I inconvenience you for just a minute? And that's what this stage kind of looks like. It might seem inconvenient. And you've been sitting and listening for a while, and you've been gathering information. And you've heard us talk about, maybe you've heard us talk about small groups, our starting point. And maybe for you, that's your next step, to put yourself in a circle, to put yourself in an environment where you can be around some other people, where there's mutual encouragement and challenging each other and being known by others and knowing others and asking questions and getting your questions answered. And maybe for you, that's your next step. And you might say, well, Sam, I don't have time for that right now. It's kind of inconvenient. But that might be the next step that you need to take. Maybe you're in this loan him the boat stage. Or maybe for you, that's, that's that you need to get your Bible or you need to download the YouVersion Bible app. And you need to begin to read about the life of Jesus in, in the New Testament for the first time for yourself. You need to continue to kind of dig in. Whatever that is, it's not going to cost you anything. God's not saying, hey, I want you to change everything in your life for this right now. It's not going to cost, I don't want your money. It's not going to cost you any money. It might be a little inconvenient. It might cost you five or ten minutes of your time. And Jesus is saying, could I borrow your boat? I, I don't want to steal your boat. I don't want to take your boat. I just, I just want you to loan me your boat. Could I borrow your boat? Could I borrow a little bit of time? And so that's, that's where some of us might be this morning. For some of us, it might be in the take him fishing stage. And you don't know how to explain it. But you know that God is asking you to do something that you've done a thousand times and to do it in a different way than you've ever done it before. And, and, and probably that something has to do with your relationships or your profession or your money. So a different approach at home with your relationships, with your spouse, with your kids, with your roommate, a different approach at work or a different approach with your finances. And here's how you know what that is. You've been sitting and listening for a while. You've been gathering information. And every once in a while while you're, while you're sitting there listening, every once in a while while you're praying, every once in a while when you're sitting there with your small group, there's something inside of you that says, I really need to, I really ought to stop. I really need to begin to. You know there's something and your conscious is tuned into something it's never been tuned into before because it's starting to bother you now and it's never bothered you before. 
And you've never considered approaching that relationship like that before, but now you're considering it and you can't get it out of your mind. You've never considered approaching your, your finances this way before, but now you're considering it and you can't get it out of your mind. You've never considered approaching how you parent your kids like this before, but now you're considering it and you just can't get it out of your mind. You've never considered putting a guardrail around this one specific part of your life before, but now you're considering it and you can't get it out of your mind. And God may be saying to you, I just want you to make this one little change. I just want you to do this one thing. And it's his voice saying, hey, let's go fishing. Just make this one change, and you have no idea what hangs in the balance. And you might even be scared to death, but Jesus is saying, I just want you to follow me with this one thing. I just want you to do this one thing and to try it my way for a change. I know it's something you've done a thousand times before, but I just want you to do it differently. Try it my way. Because he knows when that happens, it's no longer going to be about the relationships. It's no longer going to be about the job. It's no longer going to be about the money. It's going to be about you realizing maybe for the first time who you are and who he is, and you coming to a, 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 a very real understanding that God loves you and he cares about you and he knows your name and your life will never be the same because you have uh, done what he's invited you to do. And so maybe whatever that thing is, that's your next step is to take him fishing. And you know what that thing is. And for others of us, the, the stage that we might find ourselves in is the leave your net stage. You've sat and you've listened for a while and, and, you've, and you've learned some things and you've done some of the things and, and, and uh, uh, we've obeyed God with, with one thing, and, and it's like, wow, you know, look what happened. And we've obeyed God with something else, and wow, look what happened. We've gotten generous, and wow, look what happened. And we started to honor God with our dating, and wow, look what happened. And, and we can see these things that, have, that, that, have God, that God's done in our lives because we've been willing one thing at a time, one step at a time to hand some things over and do things his way. And we look at our lives, and we say, you know what? I've said yes to this, but no, not this. Or I've said yes to that, but no, God, you can't have this yet. But every time I've said yes, every time I've said I'll obey you, I'll try it your way, every single time you've honored it. And I'm tired of playing this game, and so I'm ready for you to just take everything. I'll, my, my relationships, my work, my finances, my future, I want your will in every part of my life. And maybe that's the stage that you're in today. And here, here's the point. The point is not to look at this and degrade yourself. The point is not to look at this and compare. And, and, and the point is not to look at this and try and finish either, by the way. Because I can tell you there are times where, where, where you think, well, I'm in the, the, the take and fishing stage. I'm, I'm in that stage. And then you look back at your life and you realize, I need some sit and listen time. Just like when I'm running. Just because I ran a half marathon, I still struggle some days with those two-mile runs. So sometimes that process gets messy, but it's a process and you commit to the process. So the point isn't to finish, to check off the boxes and finish. The point is this, is what's your next step and take it. The issue is this, are you willing, are you willing to take whatever next step you need to take in following Jesus? Because you have no idea what hangs in the balance of this one decision. It's in this decision that, that, that determines how real God is to you. And in this decision determines how alive your faith is becomes. So whatever your next step is in following Jesus, would you take that step? Because you don't want to spend the rest of your life wondering what God might have done. You don't want to spend the next season of your life wondering where was God in all this. I thought God was real. When the issue wasn't God, the issue was you weren't willing to take that one thing and, and to do it a little bit different because God says, try it my way. 
You know what that next step is. There's something inside of every one of us, I think, where we can identify with one of these steps. We know where we are. We know what we need to do. About uh, 20 years ago, I was 24 years old, and a good friend of mine introduced me on a blind date um, to a girl. It was a Monday night. We met. We kind of hit it off, and so we went out again on a date that following weekend. And over the next weeks and months, we began to develop a relationship that got more and more and more serious. And several months into this relationship, and I don't really know why this happened. I think it was because for me, I had never really had a healthy relationship before, and I was kind of scared. And I think for me, it had to do with kind of my own insecurities, like this isn't going to work out. It never does. And so I just, I want to bail right now before my heart gets broken. Maybe I just thought it was too good to be true, but whatever it was inside of me, I had made, I'd made up my mind that I was going to break up with this girl. And I remember one night I was sitting on the floor in my house next to the telephone. Now, this was way back when phones were connected, you know, to the wall. And so I couldn't venture away from the wall. So I remember, I remember sitting there on the floor next to the phone. I was about to dial her number and, 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 and go through this kind of really cold, cruel breakup process over the phone. And I don't know why I was going to do that, but I'd made up my mind that's what was going to happen. And I was sitting there about to dial her number, and I, there was a voice inside of me that just simply said, don't. And I can't explain it. I don't know where the voice came from, and I certainly didn't know what hung in the balance of that decision. But I listened to that voice. I listened to that voice that night. And about a year later, we ended up getting married. And I look back now, and I think, oh, my goodness, Look at everything I would have missed out on if I hadn't listened to that voice. Look at how drastically different in a bad way my life would be right now if I had not listened to that voice. What I want for all of you this morning so badly with all my heart is for you to listen to that voice inside of you. And you don't even know if that voice is God or, or what that voice is, but there's something inside of your heart that's saying, I think this is the next step that my heavenly Father wants me to take. So whatever that step is, take it. You'll never regret taking that step towards following Jesus. But if you don't take it, you'll always wonder what God might have done. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.